Welcome to A Well-Cared-For Human, the podcast that tries to convince you that you are 100% normal and an even better than okay example of the human species, despite the fact that sometimes we feel like the craziest, most incapable, or worthless creatures on the face of this planet. I'm Corey, an author, a creative, and the host of the show. Whatever you're bringing to the table today, I hope this episode proves to be a dose of inspiration for you on your quest to become a well-cared-for human. You can find the episode show notes, your free wellness blueprint, and more at awellcaredforhuman.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Hello, humans. It's your host, Corey, and today we're going to talk about disappointment. That terrible, heartbreaking, sick-to-your-stomach feeling of not getting what you wanted, having your hopes dashed, and maybe it was a situation that didn't go your way, or maybe it was a person who disappointed you. No matter your specific experience, the mental and physical mayhem are similar. And as you might have imagined, if you've been following my story thus far, I have often been disappointed in my life. Sometimes these disappointments were really heavy, like every time my mom got drunk or was arrested or was sent to jail, every time I failed to live up to my father's unattainable expectations, or sometimes because I was disappointed in myself when I failed to meet my own high expectations. And of course, other disappointments are fairly run-of-the-mill for everybody, the sort of setback that everyone experiences from time to time. Maybe we like someone and they don't like us back, or maybe we apply to a job that we want that we don't get, or maybe we try to win something but we lose. Whatever it is, no matter what the disappointment might be, for me the results are usually the same, in that they trigger some sort of emotional spiral. A mental whirlwind. A mental tailspin. When something disappoints me, I'm usually very discouraged. Sometimes I become hopeless. I'll start to believe that I'm stuck, that I'll never be able to get out of my situation and into something better, and these negative thoughts just worsen my mood and make it even harder to get out of the funk initially caused by the disappointment itself. And I have a recent example of this for you, a current disappointment is still fresh in my mind, and that is the book launch of my ninth book in my Shadows in the Water series. And I should clarify that I've written about 27 books in total, but I'm speaking specifically about my best-selling series, the Shadows in the Water series. And this year in particular, I wrote three books in that series over the course of eight months. I released one in March, one in June, and then the third in September. And I worked very hard on this, and my idea was that by focusing on my best-selling series, by putting out more books more rapidly and serving that fan base that I already have, I would be able to push up the popularity of the series, that I would be able to expand my readership, that I'd be able to elevate my income, basically creating momentum by having the books released back-to-back. So here I was, it was September, the third book comes out, And I go and I look at the sales numbers to see if my hard work paid off, if pushing so hard to produce three books in the same series back-to-back paid off for me. And I look at the numbers, and it's just not there. There wasn't a ton of growth in proportion to the effort that I put into the series. The people who loved the books were still absolutely loyal. I had at least the same amount of sales that I had in the past but it did not grow in the way that I had hoped it would. And this model is called rapid release. 
for people who do independent publishing like I do. It's a specific business strategy where you focus on your best-selling series and you release books as quickly as you can in that one series back-to-back. So I look back at the rapid release strategy that I did for the year and I just don't see the results. And I'm disappointed and part of this disappointment is fueled by the fact that I heard so many great things from other authors who saw a lot of success. You know, people who put out two or three or four books in their series in a short period of time and they're like, oh, you know, my sales numbers really jumped and oh, I got a whole new crop of fans or oh, I saw this, this and this. And so when I do the same thing or I work just as hard and I don't see the results, of course, the natural inclination is to blame myself to think something like, oh, I must have done something wrong, or oh, these books must not be as good, or something to that nature. I blame myself for some reason for why it turned out that way. So then I reach out to fans. I go and look at the reviews of the books, which you should never do (laughs) as an author anyway. But in my case, fortunately, they're all really positive. Everyone loves these books, 7, 8, and 9. They're really well-received. I have heard nothing negative about them, so I'm like, okay, it's not the quality. I still wrote really good stories, so maybe just my marketing strategy is weak. Maybe I just am not as good at promoting myself as I could be, and I know that that's true because I'm definitely the kind of author who I write the stories that I love, that I enjoy writing, and then I put them out into the world, and I just sort of trust that the people who would enjoy them will find them. But that's not really how it works in a crowded, saturated market where there are millions of authors competing for the same few placements in front of the reader's eyes. And so, you know, it's probably some marketing aspect that I didn't follow through on, some aspect that I failed to recognize, or it could have just been poor timing. Sometimes certain genres fall in and out of favor, and It could simply just have been that the timing for this was off. But whatever it was, whatever the circumstances, whether it's some shortcoming of mine or it's some result of the marketplace, the result was the same, which is that no matter if I released one book a year in that series or if I busted my butt and released three books in an even smaller span of time as that one book, it did not actually move that dial all that much for me. The sales were the same. The number of readers were close to the same. And yes, the books were still well-reviewed and the fans were still really excited to have them, but something else happened. And I'll never know if it was bad luck or a marketing weakness or (laughs) a failure to recognize book trends, but whatever it was, this experience still left me with a deep sense of disappointment that maybe I had done something wrong, that maybe I wasn't good enough, that maybe my stories weren't good enough. And of course, this triggered other old fears that are usually attached to my writing and to my work. My fears about making enough money creeped in. My learned helplessness about no matter what I do, it'll never get better creeped in. No matter how hard I work, no matter what I sacrifice, it will never be enough to improve my situation or reach these high goals that I have for myself. All of these dark and encompassing thoughts hijacked my brain, filled me with the existential dread that one usually gets when they're in this sort of spiral, because this is how disappointment spirals work. First, disappointment strikes. You don't get what you wanted or something doesn't turn out the way you hoped it would. And then the bad feelings set in, and this can be anxiety or turmoil in the mind, or it can be a literal pit in the stomach. 
Sometimes I will feel an actual knot in my guts, which will come with a sort of nauseated feeling, or a mixture of both where I'm feeling anxiety, turmoil, and a pit in my stomach with the nausea. And that bad feeling usually comes with some sort of story that I'm telling myself. The I'm not good enough, it's never going to get better, no matter what I do, this is where I'll be, this is the best I can do, this is the best I can have and achieve. But at this point, the volume of the story might be pretty low. It might be turned down so much, in fact, that I don't really know what the story is, what terrible things are being said to me by me. And so I don't recognize that these bad feelings are being churned up and kept alive by this kind of story that's running in the back of my mind. But if I have the good sense to catch on that that's what's going on, if like, oh, you know, this has happened before, and recognize the signs, even if I can't hear the story clearly, then I can try to interrupt the momentum of the bad feelings and the narratives and recognize, hey, something is really going on here. Maybe I should meditate or journal or take a time out or just listen to my thoughts to figure out what I'm saying to myself. Anything to turn the volume up on that story, on that voice, so that I can hear it more clearly. And that might sound counterintuitive if... (laughs) If someone's saying horrible things to you in the back of your mind, even if that person is you, you're like, why would I want to hear what they're saying more clearly? But if you can hear what's being said more clearly, then you can address the narratives. You can address the story. You can talk back to it and be like, you know, that's crazy talk. That's not true. Nothing that you're saying to me that's making me feel so bad is accurate. And so once the volume is up and I can finally hear the story I'm telling myself, I can look at it more closely. In the example of the rapid release strategy that didn't go the way I hoped it would, the story in the back of my mind was, this is my fault, I must have done something wrong, I'm too stupid to figure all this business marketing stuff out, no matter how hard I work or try, things are just never going to get any better than they are now, I will always have to work this hard and struggle and strive, this is why I can't trust myself to make decisions, this is why I can't trust my instincts, This is why it's stupid for me to hope for something more because I'll just get let down anyway. I'm tired of being overlooked and so on and so forth. So now if I can hear this voice clearly and and address these narratives, I can start talking sense to them, start negating them. And if you've been listening to any of the other podcast episodes or the Who Killed My Mother, you know immediately where all of those stories come from. (laughs) Why I tell myself all of these horrible things. Which of them belong to my father, which of them belong to my mother, which of them are connected to past experiences or erroneous beliefs that I have. So it's important to recognize that these stories aren't made up. You know, they came from somewhere. They have an origin point. There's a reason why they exist. And the same will be true for you. Whatever you're telling yourself that's making you feel bad, whatever story is fueling and enlarging your disappointment, your sense of disappointment and failure that that has some origin point in your life and there's a reason why you feel that way. And also by acknowledging that disappointment or disappointment spiral isn't particularly helpful. My disappointment spirals have never helped me not be disappointed. (laughs) It's never taking me away from the thing that I didn't like that was causing the disappointment in the first place. So if we know that the disappointment spiral isn't helpful, then what can we do for ourselves when we're disappointed? What is useful? What can help us to not surrender to our disappointment and to help us to recreate that stability and ease in our minds again? Well, first and foremost, I find it helpful not to beat myself up if I can help it. If 
I do end up in a disappointment spiral before I can catch myself. It's important for me to first recognize that disappointment spirals are a habit. They've got momentum. Sometimes we're off like a rocket before we even realize what's happened. And so the more I practice catching myself mid-spiral, the faster and better I will be at interrupting that momentum. So trying not to make the disappointment bigger than it is, trying not to build it up, add fuel to the flame, trying not to use those stories or narratives as ammo against myself to keep myself pinned down and unbalanced. The second thing I try to do is to not add any weight to the situation, not speaking poorly to myself, not punishing myself for anything I did or didn't do wrong, perceived flaws that may or may not be true, like in the case of my rapid release strategy. It could simply have just been bad luck or timing. doesn't necessarily mean that I did something specifically wrong that self-sabotaged me. It could simply just have been poor market timing. And so trying not to blame myself for something that is beyond my control, trying not to call everyone I have ever met and tell them how I failed and I suck and how I'm absolutely sure that they are not surprised because we both know that I'm trash. (laughs) Don't do anything like that. Don't tear yourself down. Don't make the situation worse than it is. Don't obsess about what did and didn't happen. Try not to replay the events over and over in your mind again, trying to figure out where you blew it or what you could have said or done differently to make the situation turn out differently or to make a person treat you better. Whatever happened, you know, it is what it is. And oftentimes, disappointment is connected to something that is completely out of our control, meaning we could not have influenced that outcome any more than we did. And so we just have to find a place to accept that. But then there's also situations where the outcome did depend on our performance, how well we did something, applying to a job or submitting a book to a contest. You know, we are in a comparative situation in that instance, and we were not deemed the best, which for someone like me is absolutely horrible. (laughs) But for other people, sometimes they can take it in stride. And if it is something that you tried to earn or tried to gain and it didn't work out in your favor, you can review the situation a few times trying to look for areas where you can improve. But there's a difference between reviewing your situation with kind, loving eyes, with assessing eyes, with a desire to grow, with a curiosity about where you are in your progress, and really hateful, vengeful, judgmental eyes that's basically just looking for excuses to tear yourself apart and see what a loser you are. And so if you're going to review the situation in any way, just make sure you're doing it from that loving place, if at all possible. Do not use this as an excuse to tear yourself down or make yourself feel horrible just because something didn't work out in your favor. And again, sticking with my rapid release example, with my book launch example, I could look at that and ask myself, what I did wrong? Did I send as many newsletters as I did the previous launch? Did I run as many ads? Did I do X, Y, and Z? A review of the situation might be helpful to see if anything might have been overlooked or forgotten, but it's not helpful to me to obsess about it, to criticize myself, because again, that's very different than strategizing. Scrutinizing, punishing, judging myself is very different than looking for the right way to move forward. 
And this is true even if you were not disappointed by a situation or a circumstance, maybe if it was a person who disappointed you. It might be helpful for you to look at the situation with clear eyes, with loving eyes, and say, hey, is this a pattern with this person? Have they done this to me before? Have they disappointed me like this before? You can look at the relationship and see if something needs to be adjusted, if a boundary needs to be put in place, or if this is a cue for you to get out of there, to excuse yourself from that partnership, from that friendship. And if it's someone you're not ready to say goodbye to, like a parent, of which I sympathize completely, you know, start looking at those boundaries and asking yourself what you need to put in place to protect yourself and your well-being and your sanity so you don't keep having to be confronted with your disappointment so often. But the long and short of this, no matter what your situation is, whether it's personal or professional, is that when you are disappointed, take what you can from it, take the wisdom, take the learning, use it to strategize, adjust, practice patience, do what you can with it, but try to let go of the rest because disappointment is best processed through acceptance. And before you're like, no, thank you. (laughs) I have zero interest in acceptance. I would like to cancel my membership. Um, Before you nope out of this, let me just give you a few benefits that I have gained from accepting my disappointments over time. My first example is inner strength. When you are disappointed by something, it often spurs you to make changes, to become more patient, to become more kind and compassionate, to clarify what you really want. So there's some motivation in there. Motivation, I would say, would be the second benefit. It can spur you to work harder towards something, to desire something even more than you did before. There's also wisdom because now you have learned experience that can never be taken from you. You can get more clear on what you really want out of a situation, what you're really striving for, what your ideal goal or dream is. Fourth is patience, like I mentioned. Clarity, which I've touched on a couple times already. Clarity is sometimes when we're working toward a goal, we know we want something. We want it to be kind of like this, but we're just not exactly sure what it would look like. So I want to fall in love with someone. Say that was your your desire, your wish. I want to be in love. Yeah, but with who? And what does that look like? What does a loving partnership look like for you? What does that life look like? What will make you feel secure and loved and supported and happy with another person? And the reality is that sometimes we have to go through a lot of different disappointing relationships before we get really clear on what that means. It's like, oh, well, I don't want that, or I don't want that, or oh, God, I didn't like that. And we can only get clear about what that perfect dreamlike partnership looked like because we have suffered those disappointments. And that's true for anything. Also, not just, you know, romance. It can also be your ambitions or your goals. You can be like, oh, I really want this. Ah, but you know what? That wasn't really fulfilling. So I think I need this too. Or oh, you know, that wasn't very rewarding, so maybe I should tweak it and aim for this, so on and so forth. And apart from the inner strength, the wisdom, the motivations, patience, clarity, all those things that come with disappointment, disappointment is also an opportunity to practice self-compassion for yourself, self-love for yourself, because you are not the only person in the world who has suffered a disappointment. So by recognizing that, you can reach out You know, that doesn't mean you have to actually reach out to another human person and be like, I know that you too have suffered disappointment, random stranger. You know, but you could talk to someone you love, you can connect over that, and, you know, you guys can kind of commiserate together. 
or even just if you don't know a particular person, it doesn't have to be about someone specific in your life. You can just be sitting there in your disappointment and be like, wow, this is, this is part of the human experience. Humans have been disappointed since the beginning of time, and look at me here having my own human experience of disappointment. You can bring a lot of tenderness to the situation, a lot of self-compassion and self-love. So don't miss that opportunity to love yourself in that way when disappointment crops up. And again, it is an opportunity to connect with other people, to develop compassion for others. There's the Tonglin meditation where you're literally imagining sending relief out to other disappointed people. So on the inhale, you would breathe in your own disappointment, whatever it feels like physically in your body, that weight, that pit in the stomach that we talked about before, that heartache. And you would exhale out that relief, that happiness, that escape from the disappointment currently enveloping you. You would send that out to all the other people who are suffering from disappointment in the exact same moment that you are, because you are never the only person suffering from any given emotion in space and time. Whatever you're dealing with today, disappointment, heartbreak, whatever it is, there is someone out there who is crying the same tears about the same thing. They are going through it with you, and sometimes it just feels a little less alone to think about that and to reach out across space and time. You know, you never have to meet them, but just reaching out and being like, you know, I'm I'm over here too. Me and you, we're doing this together. And I just find that very touching in my own personal life. Maybe that's not for you. Maybe that's too woo for you. But for me, I find that really beautiful that the human experience can be shared in that way, that it's universal in that way. And that always makes me feel a little better about whatever I'm going through. And really, when it all comes down to it, the reason why we hate being disappointed is because most of us can't imagine that in that moment of disappointment, that yes, this is a loss, but maybe, just maybe, this loss will lead to an even bigger and better gain. We usually assume that in the moment that the best thing just passed us by, we're disappointed because we're like, this is the best thing. This is the thing I want the most in the whole world. And so we're really sad when it passes us by. But what if maybe, just maybe, the best thing isn't what we just lost. It's what's on its way to us now. All right, that's it for today. Hopefully you didn't find this episode disappointing. And also, I have to tell you something else that might be disappointing, which is I'm going to take a short break for December because I'm going to be traveling for the holidays, spending time with Kim and the family. So I will be back in January with a brand new episode. Do not worry. This is 100% for sure. I have already recorded the episodes and uploaded them and scheduled them, so it's going to start right back up. I just need a couple weeks to clear out my life (laughs) and to do the holidays you know how like the holidays are you're moving around it's it's just chaotic I will not be here in my audio closet in fact Kim's parents will be sleeping in the spare room that this audio closet belongs to and I can't just be scooting past them excuse me uh, I'm just gonna yep just gonna get in here (laughs) how weird would that be so I don't really have uh the same access to my audio booth for December because her parents will be here and then because we're all going down to Florida to join up with the rest of the family. But I have written a couple episodes in advance. I've got them already set up for you, so fear not. Be sure that you're subscribed to the show, that you have the notifications on to receive the notification that the next episode has dropped so that even though we're going to have a short little break now, you will know the second that I drop a new episode for you, which will be January 1st, by the way. 
just in case you're curious. So I will be back very soon with more A Well-Cared-For Human episodes for you. But until then, please take good care of you. This episode of A Well-Cared-For Human was written and produced by me, Corey Marie. The music was by Late Night Feeler and Esther Abrami. If you like what I'm doing here, please consider visiting my Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you get early ad-free access to the episodes, as well as a monthly patrons-only Q&A, bonus videos, and more. Not to mention that your Patreon support lets me know that you find value in the show and want it to continue. You can find me on Patreon by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Marie. If you can't support the show financially, that is okay. You can still subscribe to the show, leave a review of the show, and recommend the show to your friends, not just the neurotic ones. All of this helps so much. And as always, thank you for listening.